Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fifth Sunday in Lent, and we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary, which this week was John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. As always, you can find more information or sermons from All Souls at allsoulsparish.org. character that I relate to less than Mary of Bethany. Okay, that may be a little bit of a stretch. Of course, there are hundreds and hundreds of characters in the Bible, and I certainly hope that I don't have more in common with some of them than I do with Mary. Pontius Pilate, for example. The point is here, though, that I have a really hard time seeing the world the way Mary sees it. I'm a busybody and a putterer more like Mary's sister, Martha. And yet, of all the stories in the Gospels, I find myself drawn over and over again to the stories of Jesus and his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who live outside of Jerusalem in Bethany. You may recognize these characters. Jesus has a long history with them. First, he enters their home, and while Martha is busy getting dinner ready and doing all the work, Mary sits at Jesus' feet to listen to his teachings. When Martha complains about this, Jesus tells her that Mary has chosen the better part. Later, their brother Lazarus falls ill and dies while Jesus is away. When Jesus arrives back at their home, he weeps at the grave of his friend Lazarus before raising him from the dead. Our story this morning takes place after both of those other encounters. It's safe to say that by now, they all know each other pretty well. So when Jesus arrives at their home, should it be altogether surprising that Mary would lavish him with such love and attention? After all, this is the same Mary who sat at his feet to listen to his teachings. And this is the same man who validated her desire to be close to and learn from him. And this is the same man who called her brother's diseased and lifeless body out of the tomb unbound him, and restored him to life. And this is the same man who is on his way to Jerusalem, likely going to die, at least in part, for doing these things. Maybe it shouldn't be surprising. But it is. At least it is to me, and it was to the people who witnessed it firsthand. Once again, Mary sees the world differently than those around her. There's so much that Mary could be doing, making the meal, preparing the house for guests, etc. Instead, Mary takes a jar of ointment worth a year's worth of wages and covers Jesus' feet with it and washes his feet with her hair. An act so loving and intimate that Jesus understands it to be Mary's acknowledgement of his impending death. She's anointing his body for burial. She knows that the time she has left with Jesus is limited, and she wants to be fully present with him and pour out her love for him effusively. I'm sort of reminded of a time a few years ago when I was at one of those all-day meetings with some fellow clergy in my former diocese. Our meeting was well underway, and one person from our small group was missing. Let's call her Brenda. I didn't think much of it, assuming she'd been stuck in traffic. In fact, I had almost forgotten that Brenda was supposed to be with us at all when she showed up over an hour late for our meeting. 
Brenda walked confidently into the room, sat down, waited for a break in the conversation, and then said, and then said something to the effect of, I apologize for being late. I was playing Legos with my son, and when it was time to leave, I just felt like what I was doing was the most important thing that I could be doing in this moment. So I stayed a little longer. I remember thinking two things at the time. The first was, what? How can she just do that? And the second was, why wouldn't she just make up some other excuse about traffic or a traffic accident on the highway or something? Now back to Mary for a moment. Mary, being acquainted with the actual person of Jesus, had a couple things going for her that Brenda didn't. First, <laughs> just a couple. Uh, it's super obvious when the actual person of Jesus is in front of you to know that that's where you should be focusing your attention. Also, when Mary is questioned or judged for her actions, Jesus is the one who's right there to defend her, showing up everyone else. Brenda didn't have either of those things. All she had to rely on was her own intuition about what mattered most in the moment and her willingness to proclaim her truth boldly. It doesn't always look like playing Legos on the floor, but each of us has opportunities in our own lives to pause and focus our time and attention on things that draw us closer to God and to one another. After all, God's big dream for us, God's reign, is beckoning us to acknowledge what's already holy in our midst. God's reign is not some far away land that exists only after we die, but it's here and now if only we can boldly and confidently proclaim that the most important thing we can do in any given moment is to be present to one another's needs and lavishly pour out on one another the love that God has so lavishly poured out on us. Sometimes it may look like pausing on our morning commute to talk to someone on the street or taking a phone call from a friend when we feel like we have a million other things going on or patiently waiting for our child to get out their words instead of moving along the conversation without actually listening to them. This list could go on and on and on, but you get the idea. The thing about all of these instances is that on their own, they're important for sure. But we live in a culture that values production more than presence. That's why I don't relate to Mary, and maybe you don't either. I've been conditioned to, from a young age to believe that in order to add value to a situation or relationship, I must be useful, which has only fed my natural inclination towards being a busybody and a putterer. This line of thinking makes me believe, for example, that I add more value to my family when I clean up the dishes immediately after dinner rather than letting them sit out and having a meaningful conversation with my wife after a long work day. So when we do things that cut against that line of thinking, things like show up an hour late to a meeting because we were having a quality connection with our child, it's important that we can boldly claim it for what it is. Because these isolated instances are important, but God's dream for us is to create a world in which this sort of behavior is the norm. And we can't do that if we aren't honest about why we're choosing to put our time and attention into being present with people when our society so clearly wants us to prioritize production. This meeting that I shared with Brenda happened over six years ago. 
and it has stuck with me ever since because it was so outside of the norm. It cut so directly against the values of our culture that it had me honestly wondering why she didn't just lie about where she was. That's how sick we are as a culture. That I thought it would have made more sense for Brenda to make up an excuse for being late, rather than boldly claiming that God calls us to love. And sometimes love looks like playing with Legos on the floor with our children. God's dream for us is that we value loving one another and honoring one another with our time and attention more than anything else. And that we see ourselves as worth more than just our usefulness. That dream, when broken down into individual lives, moments, and choices, is actually attainable. So when Jesus defends Mary, maybe it's this idea that he's defending. That if each of us honors the holiness that exists when we slow down and generously pour out our love on one another, then the reign of God comes that much closer and the ways of God's reign become more a part of who we are.